Hey, welcome. Good morning. Hey, this is Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. And today, I, I want to give a quick kind of masterclass, 15, 20 minutes of how you could win the job search, how you can succeed in your job search, and to break it down and make it really easy for you. Now, when I say easy for you, I'm not going to pretend that the whole interview and hiring process is easy. No, it's really hard, actually. If you're a white-collar professional, kind of mid to senior level, it's, it's really tough. So let's start from there, because if you're not aware of it, you think it's just you having a problem looking for a job. No, 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 no. This is, this is systemic. You know, with AI, all these companies are saying, hmm, Let's hold off and wait and see, because maybe we don't have to hire because we could have AI do it. There's a big movement of moving jobs offshore from the U.S. to countries around the world that could pay a fraction of what we pay here in the U.S. Uh, there's worries about a recession, so they don't want to hire if there's a recession just to have to let go of people. And these companies have been letting go of people. So that part is not, that part's going to be tough. So I want to frame it. So going into it, when you're interviewing and looking for a job, if you run into brick walls, if you hit a lot of hurdles, don't think it's you. Don't think you have a, you know, a black cloud over your head. Don't think that your boss is kind of sandbagging you and giving you a bad recommendation to uh, places or someone's trying to sabotage your job search. No, it's just slower and harder. And as we get closer to the holidays, it's even going to be more challenging because then people start just the HR people, uh, the recruiters, the hiring managers, the executives, they start all planning their vacations and where they're going to go. So it's, it's going to get a little dicier. That said, right? That said, now that I just bummed you out and you're like, damn it, this is the suckiest LinkedIn Live ever. You just depressed the hell out of me. No, no, I'm doing this. I'm saying this just so you know because I want to be transparent. You know, there's so many people on social media and, and in life that, you know, when you say, hey, how are you doing? They're like, great, everything is wonderful. Everything is fantastic. And then you find out, well, it's not fantastic. You just got a divorce and your kids hate you and your home is being foreclosed. But yes, you're saying everything's fantastic. And that's what a lot of people do. So then you think, oh my God, I'm not doing fantastic. What's wrong with me? So I figure it's super helpful to let people know what is going on, what's the zeitgeist, what's, what's happening, what's the vibe check in the job market so that you could calibrate yourself and say, okay, I get it. It's not me. I, I don't have to take that hit to my self-confidence and my self-esteem. This is going, this is going, you know, for everybody, you know, this is happening across the board, but let's get to, let's get down to it really quick. And um, these would be kind of big broad strokes about what to do and to get you started. So when you are embarking upon an interview, one of the first things you want to do is research the company and get to know a lot about them. And the reason for that is invariably during the interview process, there's going to be a question, you know, hey, what, what made you decide to interview with you know, our company, XYZ company? You know, what did you like about us? What do you know about us? And I can't tell you, for being executive recruiter, running a search firm for 25 years, 
how many people get stumped on that because they really don't do the deep dive into the company to know about it, know about its products, its mission statement, uh, the career, you know, the corporate culture, the products they offer. So you want to really know that. So when you get asked that question about the company, you could just on a dime tell what you know about and it'll impress them because most people don't take that you know, time to follow up about it. Similarly, this is sound creepy. You want to stalk the interviewers. And when I stalk, I'm, I'm being, I'm being, you know, like a little, you know, facetious, but when you stalk, when I mean stalk the interviewers, you want to go on LinkedIn, you want to go on social media and check out the people with whom you're going to interview with. And it's not to be a nosy busybody. You want to get a sense of maybe where they went to college, where they live. Perhaps they'll show on their LinkedIn profile or other social media profiles what sports teams they're interested in, what their hobbies are, what have you. Now, you might think, Jack, what? that sounds creepy and you're prying into these people's privacy. Well, uh, kind of, but the reason to do that is this. When you get into the interview, and you've really done your homework on both the company and the individuals with whom you're speaking with, you now have a sense of who they are. Perhaps you went to college with them together. Maybe you found out that they live in the same town as you. Maybe you have people in common. Maybe you're both Giants fans. Maybe you're both a Taylor Swift fans, whatever it may be. So, so you, you could have that as an icebreaker because when you go to interview, a lot of people, and, and this always drives me nuts, what they do is they could have the best personality, you know, really social, but when they get and start the conversation, yes, no, one word answer, they become a robot. They feel because you're in an interview, you have to be just very rigid and very wait for the question, answer the question, no emotion, no nothing. And that's the worst thing to do. You want to be able, you want to, so now you know a little about the company. So what you can do is then speak to, you know, the hire manager, the interviewer and say, Hey, you know, I noticed that you're a Giants fan. You know, what made you be a Giants fan? And well, you know, whatever, just to break that ice, because once you start talking in an interview, not about the job itself, not about the company, but what happened is you're leaning into, Hey, I'm, I want to kind of develop a little relationship. We're bonding here. And then maybe you find out you went to the same school or maybe a friend of theirs went to the same college you went to, or you share whatever. Then, then like, it's so weird. Within the internet, there's this, this big like relief, like, oh, all right. I feel comfortable on both sides. And then once you feel comfortable with, with the interviewer and the interviewee, it's like, oh, you could relax a little bit. And now you could slide into being genuine and authentic. You don't want to play. You don't have to play the part of this cold, non-feeling corporate drone. You could just be you. Be yourself. There's so many times I see people who pretend to be like very serious, very nice to meet you. And it's like fake. You want to come across authentic and genuine because if they hire you, they're going to get you. If you're pretending to be somebody else and then you start working there, they're going to be like, oh, huh, this is different. You want to be yourself. And here's what, what, one second here. 
And with finding commonality, that does tell into something I call small talk. In the interview, particularly at the beginning stages, it's so awkward. So you want to find ways just to, to spark a conversation. Just because someone's an interviewer, that doesn't mean they're great at interactions, holding a conversation, ha having a good talk. So you don't want to just rely on them. You want to find ways to kind of stoke that conversation to create that bond between you and the interview. And it, it, it depends on the day and what's happening. Let's say it's really raining out. It's terrible. I go, oh my gosh, did you get caught in that storm too? Yeah. Oh, how did you get in? Were you driving train? Oh, you take the train in? Where do you take the train in from? Oh, you come in from Long Island? Oh, wow. I used to live in Long Island. Where, where do you live in Long Island? Oh, Jericho? Oh, wow. I had a, you know, I had an apartment there. And you just do this naturally, right? You just bring it out. And then before you know it, you could have like five, 10 minutes of this kind of just back and forth where now you're feeling really good about each other. In addition, in addition, in addition to having that small talk, here's, here's a little hack too. You want to mirror the interviewer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that phrase mirroring, you know, the interviewer or the person who you're speaking with. What I mean by this, I uh, grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and you know, fast, you know, New York, you talk fast. You probably could tell from, you know, this <laughs> from for the LinkedIn Live podcast. I talk very fast, very quickly. And people who are, let's say, in the Midwest or maybe in the South are going to be different. Now, I'm completely generalizing, but let's say in the Midwest, they may talk a little slower. Same thing with the maybe South, a little slower. So that if you're talking a mile a minute, it could, and they are not, it could throw you off. So if you feel, let's say, the person you're speaking with talks fairly slow, takes a lot of time in between words, the person's not uncomfortable with silence in between, and that's okay. But now if I'm the, you know, let's say I'm the candidate and then I'm talking a mile a minute and they're just giving very thoughtful answers, taking a long time, they might feel very uncomfortable. So you want to dial it down a little. You want to dial it down to match their level. Not to the extent where it seems obvious. And not that they feel like, is this guy putting me on? Is he just kind of giving me a ribbing and making fun of me suddenly? So no, you don't want to be overboard. But instead of talking like I talk and, you, you know, just really quickly and so forth, using my hands, you just want to dial down. You want to realize, hey, this person has a different way of communicating that I do. And since he's or she is the interviewer, I want to cater to that person. So I'll bring it to their level. And that also makes the person comfortable. So you can control the situation by mirroring and make that person feel comfortable with you as opposed to feel overwhelmed by someone who's like talking quickly, maybe overpowering. Um, 
another key is that I alluded to a little bit is that what in all your dealings, just be honest and be yourself and be transparent. I know that sounds like a cliche, but a lot of times people just put on these lofty airs. They feel maybe I'm an executive and they have to come across like so serious and I'm above all this. Be yourself, be genuine, be authentic, be real. And also by doing that, you're going to be comfortable because that's who you are. And by being who you are and showing what you're about, it may be a little vulnerable, but you're going to feel better. You're going to feel more comfortable because you're, you're just talking from the heart. And the interviewer, the hiring managers, they're going to feel that. They're going to get that vibe from you. And they're going to be like, they're going to like that because they say, okay, I get this person. I get what Jack is all about. I, I, I understand. And there's a comfort level. There's another, there's another thing too. You want to be likable. Easier said than done. So you, when someone is hired, I got to tell you this from firsthand experience for years. If there's a choice between somebody who has all the school, all the, all the criteria, all the experience, all the skills, top universities, all that stuff, right? Great. And the other candidate has you know, pretty good, but no, not nearly as good as the other one. But the one who doesn't have maybe the same, you know, you know, uni, you know, uh, Ivy League university on their resume, they don't have the same levels of experience and so forth, and maybe didn't work at marquee companies like the other person did. But they come across positive, upbeat motivated, excited, very interested, that works. That works. That will trump the person with more skills because the hiring manager, at the end of the day, if you're is going to be working with you five days a week, all the time, maybe for the next few years, they want somebody who they're going to like dealing with. It's just human nature. Think about yourself at work. Would you rather work with people who are pleasant and polite and nice and gregarious and friendly and outgoing and, and, and empathetic? Or do you want people who are just trying to sabotage you or jerks, always angry, always bitter, always miserable? And let's be honest. We all know those people. We all see those people in the office. You see the ones who are really nice and cool and ones just like miserable. They're always, they always have a problem. They're always complaining. They're always running to the boss to complain. They're always going to HR to bitch and moan about something. They always just seem like they have the world on their shoulders. And that's, ugh, who, wants to, who wants to deal with that person? So you want to come across likable. Now, if you're not a likable person, you know, I don't know. You got to kind of work on it a little bit and try it because it does sell. It does sell and they'll pick you over the other person, even they're more experienced because they feel, hey, if I'm going to spend the next few years with this person, I want some, someone who comes into the office happy, motivated, pleasant, easy to work with, as opposed to someone who's really super smart and great, but they're like what you call like a rock star jerk that could just drive everyone crazy and narcissist, uh, takes credit for everything. It's just not worth it. Um, another aspect you want to do, some people 
mistakenly, in my opinion, they do these things like they <laughs> got a little bit of a cold. I'm sorry. They play high to get hard to get. But what they feel like maybe it's the dating world. Well, if I act hard to get, they're going to like me more. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm an old married guy. So I, I don't, maybe, maybe that's not the best analogy for me to use. But if uh, when a lot of people play this hard to get thing, thinking, hey, if I play hard to get and you know, I, maybe I'm going to make up that I have all these other offers, then they're going to definitely want me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But you're kind of in dangerous territory. I think the better course of action is that if you like the job, you like the company, you like the people you, met, you meet with, you met with, I would suggest you say to them, during, you know, when the time is appropriate to say, hey, 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 manager, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed our conversation. And let's presume you met other people within the whole interview cycle. I really enjoyed my, you know, my conversation with you, with Bob, with Phil, with Stacy, with this one, and then give a little bit why you enjoyed the conversations with all of them. You know, I really feel comfortable with everybody. I like you know, what they're doing. I, I, I feel that I could work and collaborate with them. And, and my background and experience matches up with a job description. And here's what, you know, why I think it does match up with all the things that you're requiring. So if you're thinking of giving an offer, I would gladly move forward based on what we're talking about now. Now, I don't mean to jump the gun. And I know I'm not sure of the comp and all that, but just as of now, Given what I'm hearing from about everybody from the company, my interactions with all the interviewers, the interactions with all the people involved in the process, I really feel comfortable. And I think my skills, my background, my experience would really translate well to this job. And I feel I could add a lot of value to the company. So if you're inclined to make me an offer, I would gladly accept that offer. Now, by saying that, it doesn't lock you in, but it tells the employer hey, this person is interested. Now, why is that important? It's important for this reason. If a hiring manager is interviewing, let's say 10 different people and they have to make a decision and they know Jack has already said, if with all, everything being equal and nothing really changed and the, and the salary is kind of what you posted and so forth, that he'll take the job. It's a measure of relief for the boss because if a, a manager, a supervisor hires somebody and that person later turns out to be a big dud or a really like a HR problem or a big headache, it's going to be really bad politically for that person because they're going to say to the hire manager, wow, you're terrible at this. And then they're going to start questioning that person's judgment. So they feel if, hey, this person really wants it, really likes the job, he or she looks normal and reasonable, they're going to gravitate towards that person and say, you know what? I know at least this person's going to set the job. They seem nice. They seem normal, reasonable. They don't seem like a psychopath. So it's in the manager's best interest to gravitate to that kind of person. 
A um, couple basic things also to take a look at, kind of core things. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of an elevator pitch. That's where when the idea comes from, if you're going up in one of these skyscraper buildings, let's say in New York City, and you're going up the elevator and you see this person that you would try to sell a product to forever, and now they're in the, in the elevator, that you could give a pitch 30 seconds, 40 seconds, maybe a minute in between floors. So the time you go from like, you know, the ground floor to the fourth floor, seventh floor, whatever, you were able to give that pitch about what you're trying to sell. So when it comes to uh, the job interview, an elevator pitch is this, you want to be able to concisely say and talk about who you are, what you've been doing for your current job, the responsibilities, wins, achievements, may, and then add a job or two previous to this job. Um, and then some other anecdotes and maybe accreditations, licensing, you know, uh, college, post-college. And by putting it together and giving a big, you know, a pitch and saying, hey, you know, I'm Jack Kelly. I'm the CEO. CEO of the Compliance Search Group. I've been uh, placing people on Wall Street for the last 25 years. I specialize in placing people in investment banks, broker-dealers, fintech, hedge funds, uh, crypto platforms, and all sorts of financial institutions. And I you know, love my job. I'm doing really well. However, I'm looking to take the next step. And I understand the job at hand here is for a global uh, uh, you know, uh, C, you know, position doing the same thing I do now, but internationally. And that's really something of interest to me. So boom. So it was like 10 seconds where you could quickly say, here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I did in the past. Here's what I'm doing now. And here's what I want to do in the future. So this way, when you interview, and you can take this elevator pitch throughout the whole interview process and just kind of tweak it a little bit for the people you're speaking with. Um, here's another thing to keep in mind. A lot of times when people go through the interview process, they feel they have to change the story for each one they meet, but because like, oh my gosh, I don't want to say the same thing to everybody. They're going to just say I'm repeating themselves. Yes, you want to do that. Think about politics, right? With the politicians, they have their talking points and their handlers don't let them deviate from those talking points. Right. So whenever you see somebody, it doesn't matter, Democrat, Republican, whatever it may be, the same thing. They have their talking points and they try to stay there as much as possible. Why? Because they want to drive that message home. They have a message they want to deliver and they don't want to go off mess message. They want to just kind of, you know, make sure everyone gets what they're selling. What they're selling is their political agenda, um, you know, right, left, in between, whatever it may be. Same thing. When you're doing this elevator pitch, you want to have the ability to say, here's what you're getting when you're going to you know, hire Jack. This is, this is what he brings to the table. This is his background. This is his educational background. This is his experience, his work experience, what he's done, what he's achieved, and so forth. And this is what we're getting. So when you meet with other people, and unfortunately, and I'm sure people who are watching this now and who watch it and repeat, um, the interview process could go on forever. You could end up meeting three, six, nine, ten people over the course of you know uh, uh, several months to six months or longer. It's nuts. So when you meet different people, you don't have to start from scratch with each one. What you can do is just lean into that elevator pitch and and give it to all the people that you meet with, with a little twist. Because if you meet HR, you want to 
understand HR is looking to make sure are you a good citizen? Are you going to work well and play well with others? When you meet your immediate boss, it's going to be, hey, can I work with this? You know, can I work with Jack? Can we work together? Do we feel comfortable? If it's like, say, a senior boss to the boss, hey, can you, you know, feel comfortable dealing with higher level executives? And then if they bring in other people who are tangential, and this is what's crazy, because lately when people hire is by decision by consensus. So you need to have like 10 people agree. So when you meet with these people who are tangential, you have to figure out how can I still use my elevator pitch to get them to like me and get them to give the thumbs up. So that's a key thing, whether you want to call it elevator pitch, whatever you want it, but that, that's going to be super helpful. Um, I would also suggest you want to role play commonly asked interview questions. You know, where do you see yourself in five years? You know, why do you want to work here? Why do you want to leave your firm? You know, you, you know, all those kind of basic cliche type of things. Now, in my opinion, I think a lot of the reasons why they ask these cliche questions is because they're safe. You don't have to worry about biases or discrimination or worry about saying something inappropriate or weird or creepy. So they default to these just very bland boring questions. So I would suggest take a look. Um, even you could look at my articles, you know, you put in Jack Kelly Forbes and have tons of these, you know, that would address all the different variations of, you know, questions that I'll, you know, they'll ask in the interview that are pretty standard cliche-ish, you know, why do you want to work here? Where are you seeing yourself in 10 years? You know, et cetera. Well, what do, what would your former coworker say about you? Uh, so you want to kind of Go through it. And when you go through it, whether it's an elevator pitch or it's, it's role-playing, answering the interview questions, don't just do it in your head. Because when you do it in your head, it always sounds amazing. It sounds brilliant. But then when you say it out loud for the first time, yikes. <laughs> it's, you cringe. You cringe. So you want to what you want to be able to practice it enough, not too much. Like I do these with my LinkedIn lives. I don't want to practice too much because then you sound robotic and not real. So you want to do, you want to practice enough that you kind of know the material, you know what you want to say, but not too much so that you sound like a robot and you're just going through the motions and okay, I'm checking off this one and I'm checking off this and I answer this. You, you don't want to do that. So just enough so that you can come across real and authentic. Um, if you're dealing with a recruiter, um, you know, not everyone does, but a lot of people do deal, you know, have a recruiter helping them with the search and making the introductions. You want to leverage your recruiter to fill you in on everything possible. You want the recruiter to kind of, because usually what happens with good recruiters um, and not always, but generally speaking, they specialize in maybe one or two or maybe three sectors. So they know those areas really well. They know the companies within those sectors. They tend to know the HR people, the hiring managers, the culture, what have you. So they are a great resource to pick their brains to find out what's really going on behind the scenes. How is the company doing? What do you know about this person I'm meeting with? What do you know about that person I'm meeting with? 
with compensation, what do you really think? I know I saw the salary range, but we all see this lately. The salary ranges could be anywhere from 50,000 to $50 million. And they're ridiculous. It's not helpful. So, hey, recruiter, what do you think in your experience placing people like myself? This is what you could, you could even say. So what is your experience placing people like myself with this company that you've placed a lot of people with? What can I expect in terms of compensation? And I'm not holding you to an exact amount because I know it's not within your control, Mr. and Mrs. Recruiter, but just to get a ballpark thing, because when you give the salary of 50,000 to 50 million, that's completely unhelpful. So what do you think? So this way we don't waste our time and energy. And it turns out, you know, well, I'm going to get the lower end of that. And that's not what I want. So let you want to leverage your recruiter to make sure that like they could give you as much guidance and advice as possible. Um, for video, like still doing video calls. I, I really haven't seen people go for the most part, haven't seen significant numbers of people go into the office for interviews. Now, do people do it? Yes, but not as much. So I would say if you're going into an office, scope out where the office is, make sure you know the commute, if you're going in from, let's say, the suburbs to New York City, you want to make sure what trains you take, when you're going to train, you know, take the trains. Because for a lot of people, for two and a half, maybe three years, they haven't been doing this. So it's like a wake-up call. You, know, you want to be prepared to get there early, to get to the right place, to make sure you have your train tickets. And I know it sounds so silly and common sense, but you'd be surprised how many people, you know, now when they have to start, you know, schlepping back into the city to interview, to, to interview or just to go there, it just, they're a little like off, you know, they're a little bit off. So you want to get that all prepared. S same goes with the video interviews. You'll be judged harshly if you're getting on a video, the light quality is terrible. The sound quality is terrible. There's noise in the background. Uh, your background looks just, you know, like a di you disheveled mess behind you. Now, should that really make a difference? because that's not really, you know, they're hiring you for your job, your experience, your abilities, not like what your apartment or house looks like, but we're all human. We're all human. So what happens with interviewers, they judge. They're like, hey, if this person can't get a good internet connection, if this person can't figure out after all these, you know, last years, how to have a good visual on, 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 on a video Zoom call, if the lighting doesn't work, if the sound quality doesn't work, the background looks, you know, terrible. It's not like they're going to just immediately say no, but that's kind of one of the things they're going to keep in mind. Because what happens with interviewers, they're kind of almost like tallying up. It's like a mini computer going through their head, like looking at all these things, you know, to think, hmm, yeah, if this person can't just get a Zoom interview together without it being weird. Hmm. And the person did come in a little late too. And the way he was dressed, that's kind of, you know, so all of a sudden then they start putting things together and saying, huh. So you want to make sure sound quality is great. Lighting is great. You want to make, you, know, you want to check it all out before you, you know, you go on that, you know, on, on the, video call to make sure everything is smooth. I know that's basic and a lot of this is, let's be honest. A lot of this stuff is kind of sort of basic-ish, but you, you need to kind of reinforce it. 
You need to make sure you remember to do all that. And it's easy to forget and it's easy to not do these things. Um, one thing always surprises me in interviews. I, I would coach my candidates and I'm not a career coach, but like as a recruiter, you try to help them obviously every way you can to get the job. You want to be, you want to be present in the moment. So what I mean by that, we all have this monkey brain where we're kind of thinking of 20 things at the same time. So you're an interview, but you're thinking about how long is this interview going to be? I'm hungry. I forgot to eat breakfast. My, is my stomach growling? I think my stomach is growling. Oh no. Uh, I could have to cough. I have to go get a drink of water. Oh no. Now I have to go to the bathroom. Like the, it's spinning and spinning and spinning, right? Like, so you can't focus on the conversation. So what you want to do is be this kind of Zen focused in, hyper-focused in on the interviewer. The interviewer in your mind is the only person in the world that exists in this time. No one else exists anywhere else in the world. It's all there. Now, when I'm saying that, you don't have to be a psycho just staring in their eyes for an hour without blinking, but you want to show that person you are present in the moment. You are super interested in the opportunity. You're excited about the opportunity. <laughs> you want this job. You're excited about the job. You want them to feel it. You want them, you don't want to fidget in your chair. You don't want to be looking around the room. You don't want to be, obviously, you don't want to be looking at your watch. You don't want to make facial expressions like, you know, if they say something like, <laughs> like rolling your eyes or, you know, getting distracted or you're looking around the room or whatever the case may be. These in a tough market, in a challenging market, these are the little things that they're going to tally up and then maybe go to somebody else. In a hot market, when everything is great, the economy is booming, everyone is excited, lots of hiring going on, that's different. Then you don't have to worry about a lot, you know, so much because it's a hot market. They'll take people who maybe a little like, but they wouldn't have taken before. But in this market, that's for white collar professionals, mid to senior level, it's rough. It's like they call it a rich session, meaning these well-to-do, college-educated, advanced degrees, hard time. So you don't want to coast and don't take anything for granted. Even if you think they're little, the little things add up to become very important. Before the couple of things you could say to the interviewer too. You could always ask... <laughs> Why, why did you choose me? Why did you choose my resume? And that's, that's a really good question to ask, in my opinion, because it makes them think, why did I choose Jack's resume? And now, because I'm sitting there and they're interviewing me, they have to kind of reconcile to themselves why they chose Jack for an interview. So they're going to look at the resume again. They're going to think about it. Then they'll come back and extol all your virtues saying, well, I chose your resume because of A, B, C, and D. So now she's 
giving you all the top qualities that you possess. And that's what she's interested in. So bingo, that's great. Because now this is what you're trying to sell yourself on, but she's selling herself on that as well. Because she's rationalizing or she or he is rationalizing that because I chose this resume and now I'm looking why I chose it, I'm talking myself into, I must have chosen it because I really like this person, even though if I can't remember, but I must have liked it sometime. So kind of sell, they're selling themselves on liking you for this job. It's a weird psychology thing and it works. So they end up feeling like, hey, I really like this person. So Think of some, when they ask, do you have any questions for me? These are the questions you want to ask. Ones that make them, you know, think that, wow, this candidate is really great. You know, another kind of question to ask is something defective. You know, do you think I'm a great, a good fit? Do you think I'm the right person for this role? Uh, do you feel that I have a good chance of moving forward within the interview process? Do you feel that I have a good chance of being selected in the top two or three candidates for it? Do you feel that I might be the candidate for this opportunity? It's awkward to do. Easy for me to say right now when I'm in this video call and I'm not in front of the interviewer and maybe I'm not in between jobs and I need a job, but these types of questions, let them know that you're for real, you're not a window shopper, and you're serious. And they pick up on that vibe. They pick up on that really, hey, this person is really interested. And then I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier, that to say, hey, I really enjoyed everyone I met with. I really liked Bob because Bob said, blah, 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 blah. I like you know, Jane because she did blah, blah, blah. Because this way shows like you're paying attention to what they were saying. And name a few things that I really like about your, car, you know, your corporate mission statement. I, I, it resonates with me. I like the products you offer. In fact, I use XYZ product that you have, and I love it. And I think it's great. Um, you know, I know several people who work there and they've always said fantastic things about the organization. So that if you're inclined to make an offer, I would be very inclined to accept it. So I, I just want you to know that moving forward so that as you're looking at other people and you're not sure, I'm, I'm very interested. I'm highly interested. Once again, it could be a little awkward to say, because some people may feel it's a little pushy, but when there are tough times and challenging times, you got to be a little pushy. You got to be a little aggressive. You got to do what you have to do to get that job and get the ball rolling. That's a lot, huh? What do you think so far? <laughs> so good. Christine, how is that so far? Any, 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 I know there's some more. Anything else you think I could add? Or, or, or we, got a, we got a real lot of stuff that people too, need some time to digest it all. I would say you want to position yourself as someone who is going to make their lives easier. So by asking, how can I help you? Or what do I need to do to be successful in this role? It shows that you're motivated. You want to make their lives easier and you're ready to hit the ground running. Brilliant. Yes, 100%. Because yeah. like, to Christy, right, to your point, the manager just wants someone who can make their life easier. That's the whole idea, right? They want to make it easier and they don't want someone who's going to drive them crazy. So yeah, if you come across that way, it's like, yes. And what was the second one you said again? That um, make it their life easier. Yeah, and what do I need to do to be successful in this role? So that's interesting too. That's a good point. Because 
when you say how could then they're going to say okay here's what i you know my expectations and then the hiring manager will probably walk through away hey, here's what you know the goals are the objectives uh and then i think that's christine that's a really smart question because it could also be for the job seeker to be like huh this is a little different than the job description because sometimes when the job description is put together it's like a monster you know frankenstein monster that's put together you have someone from HR who weighs in. You have a hiring manager, maybe another manager. Maybe they use a skeleton from an older uh, resume that was used in the past, and they made that into the job description. So now you're looking, huh, this job description is a little different than what now the prospective boss is saying to do. So it could go both ways, where it could be where they're talking about saying, wow, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do, or... <laughs> You may not want to say this, right? But just think about it yourself. And, huh, maybe this is a little different. And you can even all, you know, bring it up. And again, I, I, I'm going to say the one of the things you want to do in this environment is be bold, be aggressive, be assertive, and take control of your, your work life and don't leave it to anybody else. So that so let's say there is a disconnect between what now they're saying, hey, here's what you need to succeed. And you feel it's way different what the job description said. You're well within your rights to say, well, the job description you were saying, you were saying, you know, such and such, you know, A, B, and C, but now you're saying something different. Is there? Am I missing something? You know, is there? Some, you know, something changed? So this way, you get a dialogue, and you kind of understand. So you know, like what's you know what's really going on. You know, are are you know are they? Uh, you know, do you hear that? I I got it. This is so crazy. I still have a landline. So you might not hear it because I have my headphones on. But uh, if you do, I apologize for the interruption. Uh, Chris, any any other questions you think or any other things that maybe we left off? You definitely want to avoid bad-mouthing your boss, call, yes. um, colleagues, or your former company. That, then, yes. Uh-huh. yeah. No, you can continue. I'm sorry. No, that because that is the that happens so often. It's the worst where, you know, like, why are you looking? Oh, my boss was this and my coworkers did that. And it's a, maybe they did and they're terrible people. But when you go to a company and you start just ragging on on your former, you know, company and the people who work there and the management and your boss, they're going to think. If you're complaining about them to me, you know, to me meaning the HR person or the hiring manager, then they're thinking this person is just going to complain when they leave to go somewhere else, and they're going to give us a bad rap. So why would I want to even deal with that person? So yeah, Christine, hundred percent. That's such an important thing. You just want to be polite, positive. You know, hey, boss was fine, coworkers are fine, everything was great. I just see this as a better opportunity to get my career to the next level, to grow, to develop, learn new skills. You, you know, I've always loved and admired your company. So I want to move, you know, I'd love to go there and take my career to the next level. And this way you don't dwell on all the negativity, all the toxicity that could uh, lay, that can make the interviewers feel uncomfortable. And sometimes they feel like maybe it's not the boss over there. Maybe it's just you. Yeah, <laughs> candidate. That's the problem, you know. So, great, 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 great ad. I would also say, don't meander. Because when I speak to job workers and they meander, 
I just know that that's the thing hindering them in the job interview. Yes. It's important to stay on track and stay on target. And then <laughs> kind of goes with what you said before about um, not um, about being likable. Don't have an ego. Don't be one of those people that, that say, oh, it, you didn't see it's in my resume. Don't think your resume is just going to speak for itself. Your resume was enough to get your foot in the door, but now it's up to you to personify and quantify why you are the best person for the job. And it's so much more than having the right background. You have to be able to actually articulate what you do, connect the pieces, quantify your achievements, and show how you will be a valuable asset to the employer and a great culture fit. And nobody wants to work with an unpleasant person and being unwilling to answer that question. Uh, about your career tra trajectory it shows that um you're difficult and just not a team player that's so perfect that's so perfect and if i could just click on double click on that i hate why did i even use that word it's so it's so like <laughs> so <laughs> to go back to me entering that's such a thing and be careful that i can't tell you how many times people will you know say hey so tell me about yourself and that goes back to some of like the cliche questions. So tell me about yourself. They'll go back to being on like the newspaper route they had in middle school. And then you got to sit and listen to them go from middle school all the way to graduate school. And you're like, oh my gosh, or can I take it? And then they're incapable of giving a linear line. So they go off on tangents. So it'd be like, hey, they're talking about one topic. And then they go to another topic and then they go somewhere else and they go somewhere else. And you're like, my head is spinning. I can't take this. I'm getting seasick from all this. This goes back to why you want to role play. You have an elevator pitch and practice. So you could be on target, on point, focused, concise, and get your message across and not just meander. Tell me about yourself means, hey, here's what I do now. Here's what I do at my current job. Here's what I did in my prior jobs. Here's what I want to do next. Boom. Not a whole life weird story that no one cares about. So yeah, Christy, that's like such an important thing that people botch all the time. All right. Any, any, any last minute, any last minute um, things to add, Chris? Jim Lund, actually, he had a good suggestion where he said in interviews, he'll ask the interviewer how they landed at that company mm. or led them to that company because he finds that sometimes or most often than not the interviews more the interviewer is more nervous than you are so by then asking them about themselves it releases like the tension and and then they they just liken themselves to you really uh, great great question Lon. that's but it's perfect yeah because it also it gets them engaged you know it gets mm -hmm. them talking about themselves and why they went there and a little bit that their history and that goes back to that small talk breaking the ice and getting to know each other and like oh that's so interesting you know why you decided to go here and that's kind of why i was interested in interview so so that's a great that's, that's a really good uh, observation so excellent so hey as i mentioned i wanted to keep it short but of course i'm a, i can't keep things too short and i go on but i think this was very helpful for people who now we have this kind of small time frame between now and you start hitting to Thanksgiving Day and the holidays. So what I would suggest, if you're eager to find a new job right away, just try now. A lot of people are taking themselves out of the market, so the competition dwindles. So I would go for it, do everything I was talking about now, 
get everything up and running, but don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen because it's still a tough market and heading into the holidays, which is slow. But with less competition, maybe you'll stand out. Or what happens, you're laying the seeds. So the time we get into the new year, past the holidays, your resumes are out. You've already touched base with all your network. You've already kind of did a lot of the homework. So you're not starting from square one, whereas everyone else will be. So thank you for watching. I hope this is helpful. Uh, Christine and I and the team are just trying our best to help people succeed and thrive and be successful in a very tough, challenging market. We want to give you all we can to arm you and prepare you to do well and thrive. So thank you very much for watching. And if you have any questions um, on the feed, feel free to you know, as, you know, ask questions. If you want private, you can hit me up directly. If you need any guidance, you want me to help you out with some recruiters or career coaches or resume writers or advice, feel free. The whole idea is what we're doing with these LinkedIn Lives is to help people. So feel free to reach out. And I hope you find this helpful and appreciative and have a great day. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye.